podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Anyway, good evening and welcome <laughs> yeah. along to the, to, to the forum. It is, of course, the four of us. Uh, you might see only three of us, but that's your eyes, not our problem. Um, it is the forum. It is myself, Phil Casey, hosting for change. Uh, alongside me here is Andy Young. And down here is Shane Davern. We will have a fourth number along, a fourth member of the forum uh, to do some forum tolligen. Uh, as the evening goes on, um, and it is one of the ah, here he is now. It's one of the old school headers. There he is, and there's Stephen there's Steve in his bed. There, in his bed. Right, night, Steve. Ron Burgundy looks nice. You would have that. <laughs> it's, it's great. I completely you, forgot about this. Oh, I fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there watching the telly, got a text from Phil at two minutes and ten going, you ready? <laughs> Bollocks. <laughs> yeah. What's he, what's he on about? Oh, Steve, I'll just say that we this? are live. We are live. This is, this is, this you is mean, the pre-show. You mean you've been preparing for the show all, all, all day and, and we're live. Yeah, sorry, I was just getting my notes together. I was just getting my notes together. <laughs> Gathering your notes so and you can go, and off we go. Uh, as I was saying to the the, the 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 people in the comments and the people on the tweets and, and everyone that's going along, uh, good evening, welcome along. This is the forum. Um, that is Stephen Daly who's joined us. So, as I mentioned, uh, down below me is Shane Davern. Uh, over to this side is Andy O, and down there is Stephen. There you go, because it's hard to talk. Cool. In. Yeah, that's great. Um, right, lads, tonight it's, it's it's a bit of a non-season at this moment in time because uh, it is everyone is on holidays. Uh, there's a bit of a there's some type of European Championships or something going on that nobody's paying any attention to, especially if you're in Ireland now at this stage. Um, and uh, of course, a few things have happened. So tonight we're just going to have a, a broad look at what's been going on. Steve wants to talk about Benitez, and he's going to give you the rules for being the best Reds fans in the world. Shane has a topic that I used to know the topic, but the topic suddenly changed when we were doing the chat before the topic. So the topic is something to do with the transfers that happened when you were the Liverpool fans. And then, but the big one is, I want everyone in the in the chats, in the comments out there, I want you to give us a topic. That's going to be my topic. Your topic is my topic for the end of the show. We'll come back to it, right? One rule. It's old school trippers chat, right? It doesn't need to be football related. It can be anything. It can be Steve's favourite. Who would who would kill you? Um, what was it? A, a bunch of four hundred midget ducks or one super duck, something like that. Um, or if you want to ask about Andy about the cheese man, feel free to ask him about the cheese man. Um, he only gets asked about that at least twenty times a year when we talk about trippers chats. And if you've any, um, or if you need any, any. Um, Post hints around to that get on the as well. Right, so here we go. This is, of course, the form. Straight away, Andy Young over here. Andy, being the toppest of the Super Reds, you fucking yes. bastards, the bastard Super Reds, as, as you're now known <laughs> in, in the world of social media, yeah. um, you wanted to make a, an appeal to the Reds out there before the, <laughs> before the football comes back <laughs> so is that there's a bit of order to what's going on these days and, and set down the rules for what it is to, to, to be an LFC super top red. Is that right? Absolutely. I want to, yeah. I'm going to sit back and let you take over. <laughs> so the, the rules to following Liverpool Football Club are as follows. So uh, if you haven't got a pen and paper, go and get one. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Has everyone got a pen and paper? <laughs> no, I'm not really going to say the rules. <laughs> so, um, no, look, it's it's a, it's been an ever long discussion, and it even played a role in picking the name for the pod way back um, as to where we see ourselves in the food chain as as uh, fans going over to the game versus you know the locals who are going to every single game. But now nowadays it's a bit more complicated, and it seems they got a little bit toxic as well. And we've even got a uh, militant resistors of a uh, local fans. <laughs> talk- <laughs> Local fans uh, call people top reds or even top red bastards, uh, as as we've seen. So, look on a lower level of dysfunction. We, we we've seen various camps form. Are you Sacco? Are you Lovren? Are you Emery Chan? Are you Henderson? Are you Naby Keita? Are you Milner? Uh, reason to be seeing massive fallouts so whether you're allowed to sport England or not. If you're if you're from Liverpool or you're a Liverpool fan. Uh, some want Rafa removed from all the flags. So, you know, there's a lot a lot going on on, on that level. And then, uh, as I was saying, most recently we see these extremists uh, putting it up uh, to locals saying, like, la, as a way to kind of degrade them and, uh, and even, like, get a job, you know, to Liverpool fans. So, look, as an overseas fan, I accept my place in the hierarchy. The club is the city and the people of the city are the club. First and foremost, the club should always represent the ethos of those people. I'm more than happy with that. They built the great club after all that we support. But I think it's a conversation that can be had, you know, just for a bit of crack as well. How, how What are the rules? Like, is there rules? Or should we all support yeah. Liverpool in our own way? Or, or is there a place for people in our fan base that call locals top red bastards or say to them, get a job, uh, when they've absolutely zero understanding of what, what that city has been through and how important all that history is to the club that we see today? Um, does anyone want to jump in there? Yeah, yeah you, okay. you, have to, you have to be a socialist to be a red. No Tories allowed. Oh, but you're a Tory, you're a red. Well, that, this is this is the thing, Steve. So I, yeah. I, I would have thought a basic is, you know, you, you, surely you can't be a Liverpool fan and be a Tory. But we, we know some, and I'm not one of them. It's impossible. <laughs> How could you be, Steve? You live in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible for me to be a Tory, despite how many times I've been called a Tory bastard. But we know yeah. some Tories that are that are Liverpool fans. So you yeah. can be a Liverpool fan and not be a Tory. I've had that, or or and be a Tory, should I say? I've had this conversation loads of times because some people are just fans of the football team, not necessarily about the socialist policies upon which it was built. You know, we're talking about policies 50, 60 years ago. You know, no no football team is really built on socialist policies because every football team is out to make profit in a capitalist way nowadays. So these are these fundamental these fundamentalist ideas around, you know, liberalism and socialism, um, you know, from, from that's not a socialist head. <laughs> fucking socialist welfare headboard. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, I think, yeah, th- there is that whole thing. You have to be a socialist. You have to be a lefty to, to be a Liverpool fan. You can't, you know, you're nearly, you're nearly, Liverpool fans who have a few quid are nearly frowned upon. If you're not on the bread line, you can't be a red. You know what I mean? <laughs> so 
that's that's the, you nearly get that vibe from them. I totally disagree with it. I think anybody can be a Liverpool fan. The whole point of Liverpool, in my opinion, is inclusivity, um, and that's what I get from the city. But but you know that's that's my that's that's one of the things I've come across over thirty years. You know what I mean? I'm not sure what point Free World's trying to make there. Um, you know, yeah, you've been to 200 games. You know, people have never been to a game. I don't, I don't know what what that has to do with the conversation. Um, if somebody's in the city and they don't go to the games, what, they're not uh, not Liverpool fans. Yeah, oh, uh, maybe they go to Goodison every week, or maybe so they don't like football. I'm there. <laughs> rule number, rule number one: you have to be a socialist. Now, Steve, yeah. just to, be, to set this out carefully. A social democrat or a, a, a communist, because there's like you know when we get into the Liverpool fan base at this moment of time, you have to once you choose a, once you choose a, a pathway to go down, you have to choose which side of the path you want to be on, right? There's never nobody can we can't all just travel down the path. We have to choose the left side of the path or the right hand side of the path. So, are we going to be social democrats or are we communists? No, I don't think I don't think anybody, in terms of even their views upon. Being a Liverpool fan is quite the commie left, you know. I think it's more, I think it's more people before profit, you know. I think that's all right. I think that's about the level. Paul Murphy, fucking Richard Boyd Barrett, yeah, Richard Boyd Barrett, and fucking Joan Collins, all out banging the drum with their liverboard on their chest, you know. I think that's, I think that's where we're we're at, we're at that sort of level. I think. Okay, so I've never voted. Promise you. Can I? Can I just respond to uh, no, just, just be, you, you just you can jump in now, right? Mm. Rule number one is you have to be at least a pretend socialist to yeah, be a Liverpool fan. That's what I'm saying. Pretend, in fact, pretend it's socialist. Pretend socialist. You don't actually need any real socialist beliefs. You just have to pretend to be one online. If if you're starting up on the if you're starting up on the LFC Twitter slash YouTube or whatever, make sure you stick to the pretend socialist notions. That's very important yeah. to get the oh, nice likes and comments. You can't be an Irish Liverpool fan and a pay. Water just absolutely no way. You Good can't way. pay your water charges, can you? you can't pay your water charges, no. And if you mar- and if you marched, if you marched or held out one a makey up um, plaque with, on, on the back of a Rice Krispies box, then you're a top red. <laughs> Does that mean that you 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 marched through a hole? No, Ray Brady. Ray Brady is the top red. <laughs> and my, and my mom, my mom is top red as well. Okay, go on, Andy. Andy no, a free world is just saying, I, I think he's clarifying his point. I'm not saying just because you're local, it doesn't make you a bigger fan. I, look, all I'm saying is overseas fans, and include myself in that, we should have a, a, a huge amount of respect for the city and and why certain things happen the way they do. And people online that are calling locals top red bastards or whatever are saying to them, get a job or, or blah, blah, blah. You know, we're trying to wind them up by saying they're Tories and all that shit. Um, that that's bang out of order. That's all I'm saying. Like people out, outside of the city should really be happy to find themselves in some sort of a uh, a hierarchy and and just respect the city because it is part of it. It's a massive part of of the club, and it should be respected. And okay. and rather to be just totally resistance of everything, like it. Look. It's not about whether you go to the game. Some people will never get to a game if they live in Australia, for instance, and you know, but they're massive fans as well. They get up in the middle of the night and watch Liverpool. That's not the point they're making. I'm just talking about this lack of respect that's being shown to locals just because they're local. Okay, so that's, that's, Andy, 
Rule number one is so pretend socialists, right? Well, we have to move on to rule number two. Otherwise, we'd be we'd be here a week just talking about. <laughs> we can come back to this to the city, but we need to move on. This is your topic. What's rule number two? And Shane, you can you can you can join in on rule number two because uh, Steve is oh, gone. Steve, Steve, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> He's off. Interesting. I, I, I was meant to I, actually when we talked about Tories and stuff like that. It's interesting because we invented the word Tories. And if anybody knew what the real meaning of the word Tory is, that they understand that it's actually more appropriate than ever because Tory, of course, means to be an outlaw or a robber or a brigand, um, and that's where the Conservative Party got its name from. And that's why they're known as Tories because they're caught up with the Irish. And anyway, go on, um, Andy. Real number two. Uh, no, come Sorry, on, on, can I jump in on Matt Sweeney's comment there? Yeah, but put it up there. Where, where is it? Uh, 10 13. So, yeah, we're talking about the survival of the city is built on genuine socialism and solidarity, but the city was actually built on the slave trade and being the richest merchant port in the country before London was even on the map. So, you know, you, you can't just decide that Liverpool became a city 100 years ago. It didn't. <laughs> you know, it was... I think, it's the, the, I think it's the club, though, Steve-O, you know, no, what, pe- what, people, what people did while they were... The city and the people. Yeah. And I'm saying this is a city that was built on the slave trade and being the one of the largest merchant ports in all of Europe. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it's, it's why there's such stunning buildings all over the city, because there was shit tons no. of... <laughs> yeah, it's the reason there's such stunning buildings in the city is because all the Irish went over and built them. Yeah, <laughs> so. all the brick, all the brickies went over in the 1600s. Can can I just say that Dublin and Liverpool have had this had has had this long time association through the slave trade. If anybody wants to go back to the history of the two the two cities, it's built around that. It's built from the time of of the Vikings and then subsequently the Normans etc. Moving slaves through the two ports. And that's how the two cities became intertwined. And interestingly, they have some um, wildlife. So the Liver Board is based off the Cormorant, which inherits the bays and the shores of, of the Mersey, which also happens to be the, the, the local board of Dublin as well. Anyone that f- comes into Dublin on the boat, if they look out, they'll see the same boards that represent the Liver Board because the two Cormorants that sit atop the Liver Buildings. Anyway, back away from the history lesson. Andy Young, give me rule number two, please. Let's move it along. Rule number two? Ah, look, I'm only making light of it. There, there, is no, there is no rules, really. Um, but I just think that Everybody that supports Liverpool should offer something. You know what I mean? If you're not supporting the team, if you're constantly uh, trying to aggravate other fans um, and, like, you know, local fans or whatever, then what what are you contributing to? If you're not, like, if you're not adding to the adding the cause, we should all want the, the team to win. Putting players up against each other and putting uh, fans up against each other, it's not really, it's not really the, the way forward, is it? You know, for the... The goal we all want is for is for Liverpool to win trophies, but it seems like there's this side issue going on lately where where overseas fans want to just piss local fans off. Yeah, Andy, I think you're absolutely spot on about like the the top red shouts and get a job and all that kind of them kind of more like well, especially to get a job show or that kind of uh, entails saying to someone Liverpool. On the flip side of that, though, I think it, it does go back to. You would get an awful lot of local fans kind of blaming overseas fans maybe for a lack of atmosphere, for um, taking tickets, um, etc., etc., which is I think is wrong as well. Like you, like you alluded to, people in Australia getting up in the middle of the night to watch Liverpool. There's people all over the world that might say for two, three, four years to come over and 
uh, make that one trip of a lifetime or two trips of a lifetime and spend a lot of money in the club shop, which again seems to be frowned upon. But these same people want the club to go out and spend 60 million quid on, on a player. Now, mm. for that to happen, your club has to become more commercialised. You have to go down every avenue you can, uh, uh, sleeve sponsors, training ground sponsors, all the stuff that um, maybe local fans don't like or think has gone away from kind of the roots of the club. But it's kind of a double-edged sword. If you can't, like I think United stole a march on us all in the 90s and realised that this is what this is what had to be done and Liverpool are catching up. So if that fan saves up and all he can get is a corporate ticket for 1,600 quid and he's after saving for four years to get over there, well, so be it. He's entitled to be there as much as the local fan. Like, yeah. And do you know what I mean? Like, seeing your heart, do, do whatever, give it socks. I know I give it socks when I go. I know you do, Steve-O does, Phil does. Well, Phil probably doesn't. But no. um, <laughs> we'll get a kip in. Yeah, yeah, well, Steve. Well, you fell asleep the last time we were there in fairness. But <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I think you're right, Andy, though. There is kind of that aggravation like of out of town fans, kind of day tripper fans to uh, as opposed to button heads with logo fans being gone on a long, long time before Twitter on the old forums and stuff like that. And uh, it's probably going to continue to go on with the with the way the world is with Twitter and social media, etc. There, um, Shane, what you were talking about, their their uh, their legacy uh, arguments. Oh, where are <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, their leg their legacy uh, locals versus overseas arguments. No atmosphere, taking the tickets, but it's it's this new wave. And and look, there's um Red Bull one two three fourish. So I don't think Andy knows what the term top red actually means on Twitter. No. I actually don't know what it means because every time I see it used, uh, I don't, I, I really don't see a consistent context of it. So Red Bull one two three fourish. If you can clarify uh, the exact definition of what top red means, it'd be very helpful. Can, can I? Can, Stephen O'Connor is, is is down there. Is, is kind of telling you. Okay, there's a there. He's clarified it. Top Reds are fans that won't let anyone say a bad thing about any player or owners. Can I? Can I jump in on this? Andy I, be, I was called to, or not. Uh, I think uh, I can't remember, but I criticised the player, and I was called a top red because I I didn't like that player, and I liked another player. So I don't. That definition doesn't really cover. What I've seen, any of my my experience. Okay, so that's rule number two. Is what was rule number two again? What rule number one? Repeat. Was rule number one? Rule mm, number two was yeah. rule number one. The same. Okay, so um, what's rule number three? Can I can I suggest one for rule number three? Because this is, I think, this is incredibly important for for all the Reds out there, right? You cannot agree with everyone, right? You no matter what it is, you must pick a side. And that side you must take to your death. No matter how no matter how right or wrong you are, you must, must, must choose a side. So let's think about this. A logical example um, is Mohamed Sacco, right? Or Mamadou Sacco, whatever his name is, right? So you're either Sacco in or a Sacco out person. And when Sacco went, he got thrown, he was thrown under a bus because of an ankle injury. And, and Sacco in person was, actually Sacco in was with that. And Sacco out was because he was too gangly and couldn't really defend too well, right? So you're not allowed to go for the middle ground. I think this is most, I think this is really important. I think, I think it's very important for people, especially who are starting out as Liverpool fans. They need to pick a side on every single debate and they are not to waver ever from that side. Even when they've changed their own mind, they must stick to that side. So um, if you disagree with me, I'd like to hear it now. 
And then I'm going to shoot you down because I'm sticking to my side of the argument. No, I think, I think you're right. I think the idea of being a middle, middle ground Liverpool fan is for a lot of people. And we have to remember, every one of these things is actually made up by the minority of Liverpool fans who are on Twitter. You know, mm. this minority of weirdos. Yeah. And that's what they are, proper fucking weirdos. And, and they've decided that... Uh, They've decided that this is these are the rules. I've decided what a top red is, or I've decided this has happened for as long as there's been Twitter. And before there was Twitter, there was forums, and people were doing it on that. And mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 a it's a weird thing that's built out of insecurity in the people themselves. Um, but you know, you can't have just an average view on things, as you said, Peter. You're not a, a, a fucking Phil. I don't know who Peter is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll call it Peter, Phil, Peter for now on. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but <laughs> no idea. I, I was going to say something, but in cancel culture these days, um, you can't. So go on. Anyway. But, but yeah, I think you're not allowed to just have a, a realistic view on things. You're not allowed to have a wavering view where you go. Geez, I don't really know. I haven't thought about that. I haven't really and, and and give an opinion and then come back a few weeks later and go, you know, I, I, I looked at that player a bit more and maybe I was harsh or actually I, I, I don't think he's as good as I thought he was or whatever it might be. That's that's not allowed in, in that weirdo Twitter world that you're talking about there with Liverpool fans. That's you're right in that being a rule for being a Liverpool fan. You have to get on a side and you fight that side to the death, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, or even you change your mind. It doesn't matter. You're not allowed to admit defeat. Mm. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, talking about Twitter there. Someone said you spend too much time on Twitter. Um, someone says I, I'm not on Twitter, thank God. Um, and there's a uh, Jeremiah B. Didn't realize how much crazy fans were out there until they joined Twitter. And it is, look, it is the kind of, it is the platform where most football fans do interact. Like, you know, where where else do you interact with fans on a day-to-day basis, apart from just your mates and WhatsApp? You know, you could go on to forums. I think forums are even more dysfunctional. You know what I found personally, and I know we've raised this a few times before with me not being on social media, but I find being off social media, you actually get a chance to think about your own thoughts rather than being fucking peppered with everybody else's all day long, where you then find yourself just siding with what somebody else said rather than giving yourself a chance to think about what you actually feel about a team their performance, how the team is doing in the league, whatever it might be, whatever the issue of the day is, you know, and, and I've, as, as Phil said, I've picked Benitez as, as my topic for tonight. But I think, I think that's one of the biggest problems with, with social media that people have lost the ability to develop and articulate their own points rather than, you know, the, instead it's just latch on to something else that sounds good. I like I, I, so on rule number three is we st- we you, you vigorously stick to whatever side but I and rule number four Andy what's rule number four it's rule number four and I think rule number four is a really important one I, I do you and you can correct me if I'm right you have to buy all the club merchandise and then give it about the price of all the club merchandise is that a fair rule to, to add it to, to, to rule number four yeah it's it's a it's a funny one actually where you bring it up I know it was say like the people have this opinion of what what the what Nike should do with their jerseys, what um how they should look, you know the price of them, and then no matter what they just go and buy them on the China website, regardless. <laughs> like the commentary that exists, oh I can't get this one for my kid, blah blah blah. 
it's fucking I don't like that player version. My kid has to have the player version, otherwise they, they don't want that version. Like I was just told to shut the fuck up when I was a kid and he got what you were given. Here's your O'Neill stick. But either way, like the the kids are probably just gonna be going around in the D the DHK version if they're young enough to not realise. And when they're old enough to realise they should be buying their own shit anyway. <laughs> okay, so that that that's fine. So a, a, a quick run through the rules because I'm on doing top five rules because to, to be quite frank, I want to have a rant at the end of this and then get into the BNTS topic, which is actually football based and I want to stop it. But so we're going, rule number one is something. Rule number two is the same as rule number one. <laughs> rule number three is have a, have an opinion and never ever change it and stick with yeah. the people who have that opinion, right? Oh, rule number one is be a pretendy socialist and rule number two will see rule number one. Um, and then rule number four is complain about all the gear and the makes of it and then buy all the gear and all the makes of it. <laughs> right? So that, that's rule number four. What's rule number five, Andy? I think you've covered all the rules, to be fair. Right. <laughs> That's right, Graham. So rule number five is that we've covered all the rules. So if once you follow those four rules, you've covered all the rules. Can I just on, on give out time, about um, give out about Sky every week and watch Sky every week? That's that's a good rule. And and incorrectly blame Murdoch for owning every single media outlet in the UK, right? And can't want to cancel every single media outlet, right? Now there is, there's valid ones. Can I just ask where the fuck Jeremiah B lives? Is it the moon? <laughs> How does a jersey cost fifteen? <laughs> 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 no well, career or something like Elon, that. Was Elon Musk delivered with a fucking SpaceX rocket? <laughs> I have no idea how a jersey cost. Well, Jeremiah, will you let us know what the fuck you're talking? What about? country you're in? Where are you? I'll send you one. <laughs> He's from Trinidad. Do you remember Steve? actually? Do you remember last year? Uh, depending on how important you were on Twitter, you got a free jersey. <laughs> yeah, and there was and here there was a lot of noses there were joint, wasn't there? Oh, there was. Oh, it was, it there was, was a lot of noses there were joint. Yeah, it separated the the big boys, you know, from just yeah. shitty, you know, the tier one, tier one, and tier two. one. Was the rest of the circle around it compared to just normal blue ticks? No, this this Steve, these were actual physical. Nike jerseys sent out to the influencers to thank them for their support of LFC on Twitter over the years. Oh, wow. Yep. Mm. And who then they got to put up a box. Who got one and who didn't? Um, did Grizz get one? Did he or did he just... I think Grizz got one. Off. the DH gate version. That's what I'm going to say. He, he got the box and all made him DH gate and got it yeah, sent think, to him to pretend I think Grizz, Grizz just ordered his. Yeah. <laughs> Grizz ordered his. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know how it's, but can I, I just on, on a general point about this? I think I think it's I think the whole top red, bottom red. Like I think we need to find new terms for us, right? There's there used to be on rock there was the moonshiners and the sunshiners. So the sunshiners were the happy people, and the moonshiners were the the negative Nellies, right? And sometimes you could drift between the moonshine and the sunshine, right? You're allowed to do it. Some some of us just rested in the in the sunset or the sunrise. You might you can sit wherever you want. Um, I know in in a, in a group that I may belong to, we have the Shankly satellite crew. Then we, have, <laughs> <laughs> we have the Melwood Swamp crew. Yeah. Shankly right? station. Kenny the Shanky, Clouds, the Shanky Space Station, the Kenny Clouds, and these will all de- and determine the Hodgson Swamp. Kenny yeah, the- Clouds, 
and the Hodgson coined by Joe Walsh, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't doubt it. But this is a, this is a more this is a nicer way for us to interact with each other and allow us all to be sometimes positive, sometimes negative. But I think we all need to need to just accept everyone for 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 what they are. I, I see lots of people and, and they're complaining about what somebody does on this channel or does on YouTube or does on Facebook or says on Twitter or, or whatever it is. Look, you don't have to follow these people. You can mute them. You can do whatever you want. You don't, and like getting on and moaning about what these people say. That's madness because you're just adding to the madness. Everything is, is an echo chamber. It's like, and so please, maybe as, your, as, as a new season, what do they call them? Resolutions. New season resolution. Let's all be, have a communal hug, right? Because Liverpool Football Club is about community. And remember, there's lots of weirdos in your community as there is normal people. So you just have to accept them because otherwise it won't be the community. Think about when you're growing up, there was bang, bang. On the buses, right? So, like, if it, without Bang Bang, we wouldn't have the stories. There was Johnny Forticoats. He was knocking around Dublin as well. There's all these people, but they make up the community, right? So you can't have... Don't forget Ben Dover in Crumlin. Ben Dover in Crumlin as well, yeah. There was all these characters... <laughs> there was all these characters that knocked around the place, and that's what Liverpool Football Club is. There's millions of us around the world, and there's lots of different characters. Some characters you like, some characters you knock a bit of crack out of. Some people will say things you don't like. Some people won't. Think about fa- yeah, think about Christmas dinner, or whatever it is, Ramadan dinner. Or what do they have at Ramadan? Eid, whatever it is, right? So, and I've offended Muslim people out there. I'm, I'm going to offend somebody, anyway. So, the, but the main thing is, we don't like everyone. You're never going to. You can just live with it. And if you don't like what they're saying, just move along. Find something else to do. Do what Stephen did. Turn off Twitter for a while. I knew this wasn't Phil tonight. I knew it was Keith. I knew it was his brother. Philip Casey would never, ever make a reasoned, sensible point like that. I knew his, I knew his twin was in tonight, Peter Casey. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, Eamon, Eamon Casey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait did I get me moiser and me scepter on top of my head and be flying around it's uh, the back of the pulpit but I think I think what is interesting will be is and I think was interesting and I think it is a good topic to bring up Stephen was, the lads covered it off when the appointment was made and we all had a good laugh at, at the appointment right but I think the, the 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 sort of reaction that the two fan bases have had has been very interesting. And this is the Benitez appointment. I know you wanted to bring it up, so I'll let you take it away there. Yeah, I, I suppose I've I've yet again seen it from just a, a, what I've read, say, on The Athletic. I, I, I use The Athletic an awful lot now as a as a place. <laughs> I'm laughing at Tom Boland's comment there. Um, but I use The Athletic as a place to get some reasonably sort of grounded articles from from sports writers that are close enough to the club. So you've got Quiva, Simon and, and James uh, Pierce um, all writing for Liverpool. You've got each club kind of has their own correspondents that have spent a lot of time over the years uh, working around them for different media outlets and they've ended up at the Athletic. So it's I, I find it quite a good read. So I've had that, as, as you lads know, a couple of my really close mates are Everton fans. So I've been having chats with them about it and seen. And apparently... Everton fans' heads are falling off all over the place over this. Yeah. You know, there's talks mm-hmm. of boycotts, there's talks of... And it's it's mental to me in one way, because I, I said this to the two lads, I said, I can't think of a better manager in world football that they could appoint than Rafa Benitez. 
I'm not talking about could they appoint Guardiola. No, they couldn't. They couldn't get him. It's not feasible. So in terms of a feasible manager, I don't think there's a better manager in world football. And I don't think the infrastructure and the strategy and architecture is in place in their club, similar to Spurs, to bring in somebody like Graham Potter, who I rate as a young manager who probably has a good future in the in the game. But I think if he went to Everton, they'd ruin him. So if if Benitez is given the if Benitez is given the funds and the control, which he, he absolutely demands, he's an absolute psycho when it comes to being a control freak at a football club. If they give him that because they don't have the structure of a really strong director of football in place and a really strong um <laughs> <laughs> for only three, you can get half a year free lads if you just sign up with my promo code to the athletic <laughs> no I'm, I'm you get I'm, me CBD all with that <laughs> gummies <laughs> yeah. oh these CBD gummies are really delicious ever since I start eating these gummies I sleep all night I don't feel my head anymore um, but, no, I've got 20,000 followers on Twitter and I feel great again <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a gummy red <laughs> CBD gummies yeah, funny CBD gummy manufacturers out there want to sponsor the pod. And he's <laughs> yeah, free yeah, to do the um, <laughs> so, Kevin Sullivan, just on what he said, so, so I was sort of saying that Everton don't have this fundamental philosophy of how they want to play football in place. They don't have a really strong director of football, they don't have an awful lot going for them other than a rich owner and a lot of money wasted over the last five years. An awful lot of money wasted over the last five years. And if you give Benitez control of your club and a decent few quid to spend, he'll do a fucking brilliant job for you. That, that's my opinion. I think he he's he's a he has a really good chance of bringing them back into the top six, leapfrogging Spurs, leapfrogging Arsenal, bringing them back into where West Ham and them were um, this season. And if if they if Everton really do have enough money to properly back a manager over three or four seasons, they have the ability to go and do a Leicester and and put themselves back into the top four. And I think any Liverpool fan out there who's thrown a wobbler at the fact that he's gone to Everton yet again needs to needs to cop on. He's a manager who wants to work in the Premier League. He lives in that side. Of the, his wife and children have never left uh, Merseyside in all the jobs he's had. He's constantly had to work around the world without them following him because they've settled down. He's doing this for his family. He's doing this because he wants to manage in the Premier League again. Liverpool have a better manager. We don't need to worry about this. He's done a huge amount for the club. He should be respected for what he's done. And if he wants to go and manage Everton, he should still, in my opinion, be given a proper, uh, you know, sort of um, welcome when when they arrive at Anfield this season. That's that's my opinion. And if I had to be the only one standing up and them, if I was at the match, I'd happily do it. Okay, can I come back to the outrage part, right? So, uh, uh, like, I have been snotting myself at the Everton fans' reaction. It's been absolutely phenomenal. And, like, there's so much ammunition just to lob at them, just to set them off, because we've got he's got red doors on his gaff. He's like, we've got pictures of him holding up the Champions League for ourselves. We've got endless pictures of him with red scarves. He's appeared on stage with the One Night in Istanbul concert. We've got videos of him. We've got hands around. Ah, it looks, it's, 
Ah, uh, listen, we've got a, we've got lads who had a protest that used to carry a framed picture of them to Anfield all the time. Right? There's just immense. Like unless Rafa wins a league and knocks and and comes up, uh, finishes above us, it's like we always have the one 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 up here, right? But <clears throat> I want to come back to the Liverpool fans because we're talking about Liverpool fans there, Andy, right? And um, Shane, I want I want to get your opinion on this, right? There seems to me a massive level of illogical snarl to the idea that somehow Rafa is ruining his legacy by going to Everton. There seems to be this monumental desire to want to cancel him, which is which is very symptomatic to today's cancel culture because all the talk has been, you know, he needs to come off that flag. We need to take him off the banners. We need to do this. We need to do, to do that. For a guy who has the club, or ha, I, 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 and I still believe it, like we've, I've, I've seen plenty of Italian managers manage their rivals across town and still have those clubs in their heart. I still to- totally believe that that Rafa Benitez is is one of his his greatest achievements was winning that Champions League with Liverpool, getting us back to a Champions League final, coming so close to winning the league and, and for a long time until Rodgers comes along at 13-14 and then Klopp gets us there, right? Like to be honest with you, looking at this and then seeing the outrage that Liverpool fans had, I can't compute there. Shane, did, did, did that make any sense to you at all? Uh, no, no. I, I, like Steve will kind of hit the nail on the head with a lot of it. Um, we have a better manager. I think if if Klopp walked tomorrow and Rafa Benitez was in the job, I don't think we'd go anywhere near. I, I just think, I think, like, this is from a Liverpool uh, standpoint, but from an Everton kind of standpoint, I just, <coughs> on a tangent, I, I, I like they. They, don't, they didn't play good football under Ancelotti. I don't think that's going to change with the Benitez. So, like, you have to do more than win these days. If to if to win playing football, as we've seen with Abramovich getting rid of Mourinho, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I, I just, I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. It's it's obviously a, a talking point because he did manage us in Istanbul. He did win the FA Cup for us, and he's gone to one of our rivals. But we're so far ahead of them club boys and everything that we're doing with different goals we're looking up we're looking at winning leagues etc like Benitez isn't on our radar for for, for anything really I t- I personally think it probably has damaged his legacy slightly I don't, I don't think he should be coming off flags written like that but on the flip side of that I would say that he understands that and weighed it up on what was right for his family, um, for his wife and daughters, and what was right for himself to work in the Premier League. And he said, "Right, that's it. That's something that I'm willing to take on. Maybe that it's going to damage my legacy slightly, but I want to get back in the Premier League. And for everything else, uh, geographic wise and everything else like that, it's it's a perfect job for him. And uh, and like Steve, I said there, it, it, it could be a perfect job from um, it could be a perfect club to go to." They were absolutely woeful last year. They one of the few teams. I know I'm jesting here, but their their home form is worse than ours, and that mm-hmm. that was that was going somewhere for in the top half of the table. They were absolutely atrocious at Goodison. So, um, they didn't play good football last year. I'm not sure. I think we all know Benitez doesn't play expansive football. It's going to be defensive base first. Look to keep things tight and then uh, uh, work it that way. But um, listen, I just feel that. Personally, I feel it probably has damaged his legacy slightly. I don't like I said. I'm not saying fuck Rafa. This, that, and the other. This, that, but everything he done for the the Hillsborough campaign. Every night that that famous video of him getting upset at the um, at the memorial. He's he's done yeah. great things for the club and the city. Um, probably damn. I, I don't think he can move to our city rivals. 
but it was damaging your legacy slightly is what I'm really saying. But he's obviously weighed that up and went with that and good luck to him. Andy, your take on, on, on the outrage over him. Like I'm 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 just wondering. Uh, I would I would say I was I was a little bit shocked when I when he got linked. I just didn't think it happened. Uh, but look, once it sunk in that it was really going to happen, and I, and he was appointed, it doesn't ruin his legacy for me. Like Rafa is an amazing man. He he, he brought us one of the best nights in the club's history, and he got so connected with the city uh, and the club, like like no other. And I mean, it, it's testament that he does have his family living there and he wants to be there and that's where he wants to spend his days. Um, and look, the connection uh, that we were talking about at the Hillsborough Memorial and Margaret Aspinall uh, thanked everybody and then forgot to thank Rafa and went back to him and it was very emotional. Uh, so what he must have done for the families and the supporters and the groups uh, for Hillsborough must have been unbelievable. And to say that that him just taking a job at Everton tarnishes his legacy now, I I totally uh, don't agree with it. And if it does tarnish it a little bit, the trade off is how much Everton fans are going absolutely bananas. <laughs> absolutely, like it's it the cl- that club is a circus, and it's gives gives us so many laughs every season when they believe all of a sudden. And you know, I'm looking forward to when we're tonking them at Anfield. Two or three nil in the last few minutes of the game, and and the cop is uh, chanting Rafa Benitez's name. It's going to wind them up big time, and mm. uh, we're going to laugh our bollocks off at that. Look, it's it, it takes a miracle worker to do that with that team, and I don't. I think Rafa is is probably past it as a manager that can challenge for leagues at this stage. So I'm not not too concerned in that sense. But one thing I do worry about. Is is what it's going to do to Rafa when it gets when it gets dirty when it gets nasty, you know. And I think he probably do well with them for a while, but when it does get to the point where they're on a bad run of results and the fans are turning against him proper, and and they're you know they're interfering with his personal life, or they're going to his home, or they're death threats and all that. That's all, that's already the are, Andy. Yeah, but when when it sort of becomes <clears throat> a bit more real and there's big numbers involved. You know what I mean? At the moment, it's isolated things, but I would worry about that. You know, I would worry about going around the city and everything else. Look, I think there's just way too much fun we can have with this. Like, leaving his face in the banners, they turn up his, his faces all over Liverpool, all over the cup and everything like that. Put more banners up when, when everything more. are playing. It's just put loads yeah. of Rafa Benitez banners all over the stadium. Oh, 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 Holding up the European yeah. Yeah. banners. Yeah. Yeah, Brian Cop. Like just, just, just have like marches to but get the get the picture back. Have a march in to celebrate and being back in Anfield yeah. again. Like and, they, and in in fun, funnily enough, watch. though, funnily enough, I think that banner that was left near this house is probably after getting a, a, a lot more Everton fans on side than maybe where I, I think it might have helped them with, with some part of the fan base. Should I say? With I, that, I think uh, Yet again, we're talking about top reds and all the Twitter stuff. You're seeing that element of the Everton fans as well coming out. You have to take that into consideration. You're seeing the fucking idiots who are the ones absolutely losing it on Twitter. You'll find that the vast majority of fans in there may not be happy about it, but they see it as a pragmatic appointment. I don't think 
I, I get what you're saying, Andy. I don't think it's possible for them, him to win the league with them. So I'm in no way worried about that. Brian Murphy said his best day. He hasn't been relevant since 2013. I, I think that's an unfair comment. I think the work he did with Newcastle under Mike Ashley was actually really impressive. And I think had he been backed there, he actually could have brought Newcastle back into a top half team. Mm. And, and I think Everton will back him. If you, if you go on the basis of what they've done with the last three managers they've had, they will back him. He has the ability to offload some of the players that he has there. Like, he has the ability to sell someone like Richarlison for 60, 70 million, shift Moisha Keane for, for a considerable amount of money. That gives him a, 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 an amount of money to play with. And Rafa, when he was given money, most times he did all right with it, you know? I, th- I think Brands, I know what you said there about Rafa getting control. I, th- I think Brands is fairly strong there in his director of football role uh, with Mashiri. I think, listen, I don't follow the evidence stuff too yeah. much, but I think I would, he's I on, think on fairly strong foot in Brands and he's the one doing the sign. So, he would have to have a say on that, though, before yeah, he took the yeah. option. Obviously, obviously, yeah. Well, obviously. Uh, uh, the, all, the, all the Everton fans are blaming Usman off because Mo Shirley can do no wrong, wrong in their eyes, which is great. Again, look, I tell you, there's way too much ammunition. This is going to be phenomenal. Just on, just on Free World's comment, there was times when I would say absolutely yes. <laughs> I would have taken Ferguson as the Liverpool manager. Can I just say, and, and I think it's relevant because the one thing that isn't brought up enough on the Rafa thing is our nose is out of joint happens when he takes the Chelsea job, not the Everton yeah. job. Yeah, Chelsea were relevant. Yeah, mm. Chelsea were a threat and were relevant to us and they won yeah. a trophy with him when he went there, yeah. right? Yeah. If he does well with Everton, at best he's going to be doing his challenging, challenging for fifth. We're not talking about talking top four or something. It's near, and I I, I, I think people need to realise how next to near impossible it is to break the top four. They looked at Leicester last season breaking it, right? Leicester have won the league only a couple of years ago. Leicester are a very strange team in that they had a good core of seven or eight players that were that was left from the time they had the league. They have a very good, strong director of football. But they are the, ab, ab, like the abnormality. For anyone to get into the top four, they have to get past Leicester. Otherwise, it is Liverpool, City, United and Chelsea. Right. Yeah. This is this is there's, there's no at this moment in time, Arsenal aren't strong enough, Tottenham aren't strong enough. We haven't even talked about Nuno, Espirito Santo, Domingo Santos, the manager, right? Because right. So like mass, just call him Latin mass. Yeah, mass. We haven't talked about mass at Tottenham, right? With no money to spend. Like we are talking about a number of teams that are spending a lot of money. To still not be any closer to the top four. And think about how much money we spent from 2010, since FSG have come in, to Klopp taking over. And even Klopp taking over, to get us over the line to, to win the league. We spent, we had a huge summer when we when we bought Van Dijk, when we bought Allison, we bought all those lads in the space of 12 months. And we win the league off the back of it. You have to spend money to get there. But everything are, are, are the, I think, second or third biggest spenders in the league. Their, 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 what's the word I'm looking for here? The percentage of turnover, their wage bill, the percentage of turnover is the highest, and it's yeah. freudily high. Yeah. I think it's eighty eight percent. I think it's, it's freud. It is dangerously high. They're going to have to sell players. Yeah, that's what Everton, I'm going to say. Everton that's are one of the best players in the league outside. Well, they they probably are the best players in the league outside the traditional say Champions League clubs. 
Yeah, I, I think you get fans back in. The leveler that was there last year was this bizarre season that went on, right? And that's how Leicester have 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 the ability to stay in. And look, they fall away towards the end. You know what I mean? Look, look what look look at what happens. We finished toward Chelsea finished the fourth or fifth or whatever they finished in terms of what it was, and, and Leicester fall out. Like this, this is what we're talking. about. This is how hard it is to crack the top four, even when we couldn't win a game for a quarter of a year. We still managed to finish third in the league, and the, uh, two better results, we would have finished second in the league. This is how hard it is for a team to get close to that top four, and I think that I agree with Kev. I think what we're going to see now is the likelihood that those teams we we're worried about, you know, Haaland going to Chelsea, Chelsea signing this player, City signing that player, thing. But there's no part of us thinking, oh look, look at look what Spurs have done. Spurs have done nothing. Arsenal done nothing. Nobody is closing the gap to us. So our concern is about winning the league. Our concern is about the Champions League and winning the league. So I forget in Everton, lads, you need to put the cornflakes down and find something else to piss into because there's literally, <laughs> there's, there's, there's no point in getting your knickers in the twist over Rafa going to Everton. He's gone there. If he sets them up as a challenge to us 20 years down the road, fantastic. He'll have done a job for them, right? But in, the, in this now, in this now, in the next decade, we will not be worrying about Everton as a long-time rival to us for a long time. Mm. Agreed. Okay, so just move on that. And t- since I met, touched on transfers, Shane, I yeah. don't understand your topic, so no, you're going to have to explain listen, your topic. No, I, I right? went back into WhatsApp after Ray Dicko of this parish gave me this topic <laughs> earlier. <laughs> gave me this topic earlier on, and I had to go back and read it to say because Phil was like, "I don't know what this topic's all about." And Ray's topic says, "What about your earliest memorable transfer memories?" Right, of a summer transfer. So you're old, Phil, so you're going to go back to Emlyn Hughes or whoever you're going to go back to. But for me, my earliest memory, I was born in 82, so my earliest memory, being Irish, and as you can attest, these lads can attest, Phil Bob had a great World Cup beside Paul McGrath in USA 94, and it was one that was kind of projected uh, through the press. Like going back over the year, I know some people remember CFAX and Airtel and used to have to go on and say who was signing 302 on CFAX and see who was gone anywhere. And the gossip was like 316. You had to wait for the page to go by and all to see who you were, you were interested in before all this Twitter and stuff like that. But so your earliest, the earliest you can remember, your earliest memorable summer transfers. Uh, Liverpool transfers. Look, I said so, you, my, early, my earliest one is my earliest one was kind of. Oh, listen, I remember before that. I remember Ruddock and all these players playing for Liverpool. But I'm talking about the the one I remember kind of flicking through or picking up the paper and seeing what was happening with it and all that was Phil Bab after the '94 World Cup. Uh, so Paul so McGrath. You're saying the mm-hmm. absolute fucking fruit loop, right? That your <laughs> most earliest memory of a transfer yes. is is Phil fucking Bab. Yes. No, yes, Phil Bab. Earliest, no. Now, I remember, like I said to you, I remember earlier players, I do remember earlier. Like my uh, my earliest kind of memory when I was actually sitting down and watching the game or paying attention to a game was the 92 Cup final, Phil. So that's kind of, that's as far back as, as, as I go. And I remember the players in that team. But I'm just talking okay. about, as a signing, as a young flip, picking up the paper, going, are we going to sign a player? Blah, blah, blah. My earliest one is Phil Bab in 94. After okay, I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to slightly extend the question, right? So right. we'll start off you with what's your, what's your earliest Liverpool transfer memory in this way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
because I, I just I can't let you have Phil Bab doing this because that's just that's just like I'm, I'm really I'm really really. Are you, are you upset uh, over that? You didn't say no. best transfer. You just I said, said best. Memory. I said most memorable, the earliest memorable. Earliest memorable. That look, yeah. we'll have to fix that for you so as we don't finish the show with Davos fucking dream <laughs> transfers, Phil Bab. Steve, while Andy's doing Tinder there, what's your most memorable? Uh, Look right, Andy. He's on Grinder. I'm not much uh, better than Shane here, to be honest with you, because as it turns out, my first memory of a game is the 92 Cup final as well, because I'd been in Canada for three years previous to that. So I missed late 80s to early 90s being away. So that game against Sunderland is my first memory. And, and my first memory of a transfer is actually Ruddock in the summer of 93. Mm. That's that's my first memory of a transfer. And and I don't know what year Saunders went to Aston Villa, but I remember watching a match on BBC or, or RT, whatever it was. It was a Saturday match on TV, and you didn't get many of them back in the day. And I remember Ron Atkinson bringing him out and me being really fucking annoyed that we'd sold him. And Atkinson was presenting him to the Villa crowd. It was a home game, and he was presenting him and whatever else. And that's a... I don't know when that was, but that's a really early memory around um, around Liverpool. I also remember signing Julian Dix the same year in nineteen ninety three. And okay. Marsh was it Marsh and David Burrows went the opposite direction. Mike when, Marsh, back, yeah, yeah. Yeah. back when actual part exchange deals used to happen rather than just bollocks talk. Now we're going to yeah, get just get him back. Well, no. Where some somebody's been playing football manager for too long and they've they've lost yeah. their mental strength. Andy, what's what, if you can please remove yourself from the phone there to to rejoin the podcast that you're meant to be on, um, and and because if this was in the bunker, I'd, I'd, smack, I'd smack you with a ruler and say put the phone job. on, put the phone on. Um, but put no fires you, with the phone. What yeah. is your what's your earliest memorable LFC transfer? Yeah, see, I I I think when I start becoming aware of the whole transfer world when it became like a thing where people are talking about a lot would have been soon I think that's that's when I really grinds at me speaking of grinder there Steve <laughs> <laughs> this is a real I, grinder for me <laughs> yeah this is a real grinder um, no but I remember like uh, the likes of Birdsey um, uh, Staunton Houghton leaving the club and bringing in players like um, fucking Torben Picnic and Paul Stewart. Paul Stewart. Paul Stewart was a, yeah. a big one there. Um, Julian oh. Dix and and that that's Cluff, when like Cluff we was offloaded. Training at the time, Cluff yeah, was huge. Cluff was huge. Cluff, Cluff, yeah, yeah. But this is, I suppose. Seamus, in fairness, he was left with a big job to do. Like he had a lot of players who got old, who had to be moved on. He had to try and find replacements, but those Jesus. players just fell flat on their face. When you look at when you look at a player like Ray Houghton, who was who was excellent for us to be replaced by Paul Stewart, like that was the that was the one big change that always okay. kind of I look back of you know disaster. Andy, what age are you? Forty. 40, right. So I'm, I'm four years older than you. Okay, so my first memorable LFC transfer story is the signing of Bards, Barnes, Bairdsley and Aldridge in the same sp- in the same transfer sort of summer, right? Because there was no transfer windows then. It was it was it was 86. Yeah, 86, 87, that 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 time yeah. over because we'd see in my the- mind, uh, Phil, they always played for Liverpool. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, see, I, 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 I remember. They said their first memory was Aquilani. And I'm like, 
I can remember so much about Liverpool before Aquilani. If you know what I mean by that, like that's when you were completely invested in the club. Now you so, have a life to get on with as well. Can, uh, just because, let me just turn the dial a wee bit for the lads who, who are watching, who are who are younger, right? So I'd watched Liverpool win the Dublin eighty five eighty six. I can still remember um, eighty four eighty five. I remember watching the, the 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 European Cup final that year um, in terms of, in, in Heysel, right? So I remember that. I remember clearly the the eighty five eighty six FA Cup final really sticks out in my memory. It was probably the first time as a um, kid that I'd watched the build up. You know that whole thing that used to be there, and because I knew Liverpool were winning the league, I knew that we could win the double. It was something that Liverpool hadn't been doing. This was a big story at the time, and it wasn't twenty four seven sports channel, so you had this. And then I remember after that we don't go and win the league, and Kenny Dalglish then goes and basically rips the squad apart and brings in Houghton, Bairdsley, and um, Barnes off the back of the nineteen eighty six. World Cup, right? And this is where I'd watched Barnes. We'd watched Barnes. The emergence of Barnes before the 86 World Cup is the 84. He scores the goal against Brazil. He goes and plays in the 86 World Cup and he, he makes those cameo appearances from the subs bench. And it looks like a fella who you'd, who you'd watched or you'd heard of that these magical South American players and you only ever very rarely saw them as a kid. Because again, there's no 24-7 sports channels. There's no football from all these leagues that you see. You only see the English League on television or you go to the League of Ireland games. And you see Barnes come in and that blew your mind. But then in the same year, Rush goes to Juventus. So from going from no real transfer, like now we, I know that uh, Sunas had left in 84 to go to Sampdoria and that was a very strange thing to happen. But to go from no transfers or no transfer business that seems to be sitting your, in your conscious mind to all of a sudden those three lads and then Rush. I was crying when Rush left, right? Like you're a kid and you're seeing this fella who has been the talisman of, of of the Liverpool team that you've just watched. You've seen him score two goals in an FA Cup final. Like uh, Kenny Dalglish retires in eighty four in, in eighty six, right? Kenny Dalglish steps he doesn't retire after eighty five, eighty six. He continues to be player manager in eighty six, eighty seven, but finally retires at the end of it. And then all of a sudden Ian Rush is going to Juventus and to Italy. And it's just like Jesus Christ, this is the end of of of, of everything I've thought about is football. Where where are all these players going to? Um and then but all just there and it's, like, it's so, it's, I can't explain how bizarre it is as a kid at that age because Aldridge looks like Ian Rush and he scored and goes like Ian Rush. So it's like, it's literally, you take out, there goes Ian Rush. Like Mr. Potato Head Scouser, just <laughs> Yeah, it was like when Iker Casillas was playing for Real Madrid and he got injured and Kiko Casillas came in and goal instead, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looked, exact Random same, generated right? player came in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So th- that is my when. So when Shane was at, when when Shane mentioned that, that's the earliest sort of transfer bubble that I remember around Liverpool, and it was the first time that transfers became a thing. And a bit like um, Shane said, you become hooked when Teddy Tex becomes the norm. Then yeah. at the end of the eighties, started nineties, you were yeah. constantly on whatever it was six 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 or whatever page it was that had the advertisements. Devil worship. No, that was grinder. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> six six six. It was. It was three o three. Or three o two was. No, that was that was the was the ads, and it was the ads for the club calls, right? And they used to just give you one line. Somebody was going to sign. Somebody was going to sign. And then, then you'd have to ring the number and you'd be there for welcome. And then you're and then you're mad bash you the for, for the phone. Football. Call. 
talk <laughs> transfer line. And then it goes. Ding, 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 your must have been fucking you. <laughs> Your outlet must have worked for telecom airing. <laughs> I had to change the wires. We just got somebody oh, else's phone man. from next door. Um, anyway, so that was my area. But lads, what's your favourite LFC transfer moment prior to 2000 and, let's say, prior to 2010? Right, well, it, well, that's a great span of time. That goes, your earliest is 1990, so it's given you 20 years. And obviously, we can go into the obvious ones, which is like what's happened recently. But I'm just talking about... moment. Like, yeah. it can be anything related to a transfer. Yeah, and like, do you have an LFC one or even an international Yeah, yeah no, one? it is an LFC one. It wasn't any signing we've ever made, actually. I think as a Liverpool fan, and in those years when you were in your 20s or whatever else, and just football was everything, Gerard not going to Chelsea that summer was bigger mm-hmm. than any... Was bigger than any transfer the fact that he turned down Chelsea and Abramovich's money to stay at Liverpool was because I felt that if Gerard left we were going to implode mm-hmm. now we will never know what would have turned out to be but the fact that he stayed I think for me is bigger than because if you think about it I can't remember us maybe I'm wrong maybe there's an obvious one that's even not sticking out for me now have we ever signed a proper no. world-class superstar in 30 years, in 30 years, I don't think we have. Mm-hmm. So we've never signed a, you know, a Ronaldo, like a like fat Ronaldo or a fucking Zidane. Or, we've never done that as a club. We've yeah. always got players just below that level and they've turned into superstars. Or we've had players that came through the academy and turned into superstars. So for me, Gerard Stein was, was the biggest transfer, you know, um, moment for me. Yeah, free world saying Torres there. I don't think any of us could have predicted how good Torres was going to be when he signed. I like. I, I, I mean, did. I did. I was. I was. I was in there uh, in, in in a time machine. Um, Bill told Rafa. Actually. Future Twitter. I actually won money on Torres. Kuehl is a great. Kuehl is a great show. Kuehl is a good example. And Kalimar was one to get excited about. Yeah, Kalimar yeah. was the one yeah. for me. That was, like, was a transfer, yeah, record. Yeah. transfer record. I think it was about thirteen, fourteen, maybe. Yeah, at that's the time. Jared Powell points that yeah. out, and that was huge. That, actually, that, yeah. that was that was re- that was really one at the time. Me thought fucking hell, we we made business here, and like he was yeah. he was such a good player, and obviously he had his own uh, demons to deal with and all that, but. What a player. He was really the one. I know, listen, Torres it comes later and stuff like that now, but really at that time. So I think everybody wanted Collymore. I think everybody Car- wanted Carl Heinz Riedler was a big one back yeah. in the was, It was a time because he'd only won the Champions League two years yeah, before Babel, with, with Dortmund. And in Babel as well was another yeah. big one. Like German clubs were really, really mm. strong at that time. And they were they were two big ones. Do you know his comeback was massive? To Fowler's for the excitement that that oh, generated. Yeah, yeah, the excitement factor was huge in that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I say one one that, that that doesn't probably get the attention that it did at the time because it was seen again. People have to realize that we had for what's now regarded as uh, there's different euphemism, euphemisms used by by them talking about having to build your squad and you have to have players and all this type. Back in the nineties, it was your the missing piece of the jigsaw. Missing yeah. piece. Everything was the missing piece of the jigsaw, right? And one of yeah. the biggest ones 
that we made and had a huge thing was when we signed Paul Ince from Inter Milan, right? Well, yeah, it was huge. The governor. It was governor enormous. Was he was coming in and he was going to put the stamp on our Roy Keane. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. and it was this was going to be this was going to change the face it's of Liverpool. It was, it was going to bring needed some grit and yeah. metal in the middle of the park and he was a big bag of shit. Nell, he was. I don't think he was that bad, but he wasn't. Definitely yeah, wasn't. I, no, he wasn't. Bad. He was. And, and Elk is a great shout there. That's coming yeah, in yeah. a few times, letting him not signing him and letting him go, and then signing the off and the L. Oh, oh Christ, no. Jesus yeah, Christ! And and some shockers, some shockers. Remember Varen and Triple H? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, they were they were like classic Rafa signings that just they just came in for a week and then remember Yasumi? Uh, remember yeah. he turned up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hope Rafa brings all them in for everything. You oh, just got a lunchbox. You just got a Liverpool lunchbox and left again. You send me. Yeah. Never seen again. <laughs> um, well, who else do we? Rainer was a big sign in Phil. Turned out was... to be, yeah, because we were gone from Dudek and Kirkland and. But did he, we sorry, know? He, he, I don't he, know. He, if he, he turned into. Yeah, exactly, Steve. I don't think we knew, but he t- he turned into. Oh, a, he was phenomenal. He, he was phenomenal. phenomenal keep. Four seasons, you know. Um, yeah, but no, we've we've had some superb ones when you look at people that have come. Like, I Salah is right up there as a player mm-hmm. that we brought in, hoping he'd be decent, and his numbers are ridiculous. Like, yeah. his stats are fucking like his goals to games and and goal involvements to games since we signed him is just it's phenomenal. That you know? Garrett, that that Garrett Barry Robbie Keane transfer saga that summer. Mm. Yeah, that's that's still as mad, and I still think, and I know, I know, uh, it probably goes against the grain, but we sell Keane back to Spurs in January, and I still think if we keep hold of him to the end of the season, we probably win the league because there was a, there was those games where you know, remember the the Birmingham's and the Wiggins and the stuff that we were drawing nil all or one all or whatever, and it needed somebody to, to score a goal for us. But Rafa was obsessed with getting Garrett Barry in as a replacement for Alonso. Um, and I know the story pans out that Alonso wanted to leave the previous season and that was going to yeah. be his last season, etc., etc. And he was trying to get somebody in that would naturally take over from him. And you can see the logic and all that was behind it. But Robbie Keane was like that was that was a huge transfer. Like that like as 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 stories go in the newspapers, to sign a player from Spurs who were trying to be get into the Champions League and the stuff, and we were signing in the fella who was part of their two pronged, it was Berbatov and Keane. If you remember that, but they were that was yeah, they, yeah. It'd be like making, make, making them weaker and getting stronger ourselves. Yeah, yeah. We never normally do that. We normally don't, you know, weaken an, an opponent. Like the Italians are brilliant for it, and yeah. you know, just just taking a Juve taking a Milan player when when like it'd be like Juve just taking fucking Lukaku this season. I know they can't do it with the finances, but for years they've done it. You know, the, the top teams have just said we're taking your best player, and that's that. The, the, I, I, okay, so worst. Memories of a transfer. What was the transfer that you said to you? This is never going to work. Never ever going to work. Not what the what in Christ's name are we doing here? Now I couldn't list off fucking loads of them because it was clear as day it was going to happen. But would it, would it be better to ask what's the one that we thought would work and didn't? Because there's so many of the ones that you just knew weren't going to work. We've signed mm. an awful lot of shit bags in the last amount of years. You know, we've <laughs> <laughs> been a lot of shit. We've we've had a lot of drops. So would mm. one maybe that? I'll, 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 like Steve, I was saying there. One, I would confess to that when we when I heard him saying, and I thought, oh Jesus, yeah, what a player, Joe Cole. I thought he'd, I thought when we got him in, I thought he'd he'd been so good for Chelsea, yeah, so good for Chelsea. But obviously, we didn't see the drop off coming, and he fell off a fucking cliff. 
And the, like, I think it was all summed up that day. Red card, wasn't it? In the his first game against Arsenal. That was it. Yeah. All downhill. Andy. Just says on the screen there has to be Nobby, hasn't it? <laughs> I know the dream's not over quite yet, but I mean, if there was ever a player that was hyped up that we were bringing in, a, you know, he was hyped up just as much as Van Dyke, Allison, you know. I think, yeah, for me, real number three. And, 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 and we were at his first game, Steve. Yeah, and he, he was very well good. Game. He, yeah, he played, played very well. well. I have to say, the Morientes show is, is one that really sticks mm. out to me. He, he'd been he'd been a mm. top end player for Spain, top end player for Real Madrid, winning Champions Leagues, an elite goal scorer for so long. He was coming into a team that that won the Champions League, and there was not one of us that could see how that could not work out. Like Rafa had picked him as the fella to lead the line for us. And he smashed it for Monaco the season before on loan, hadn't yeah. he? Yeah, you know, he was phenomenal in the Champions League. I think he got seven or eight goals in the Champions League the year before, mm-hmm. and we were just all fucking rubbing our hands. But yeah, for me, it's Harry Kuehl. I think that was one where we, I was just looking at it going, This is a Leeds team, semi finals of the Champions mm-hmm. League. We've nabbed him on a free. What a fucking signing! And then just to watch it like Balotelli, you, you never, I never trusted Brendan Rodgers to get anything out of Balotelli. Like, talk about it, like the complete opposite people you want interacting with each other on a daily basis. Similar nearly to Robbie Keane and Rafa in a way. You can imagine that their styles should, just would not work together, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. What's the whole thing about Rogers and Balotelli? You know, Trim, Balotelli doesn't Trim work for Trim under bus, do you not remember? He was yeah, no, I, I, no, I agree that Balotelli doesn't work for any... Like, what I'm saying is I never... I've never believed Brendan Rodgers is coming into his own now, but while Brendan, while he was a Liverpool manager, I really never believed in his ability to have a gravitas with players. You know, in, in, I might get slaughtered for this, but he had, he had four good months with Liverpool. You know, that's the reality of it. We nearly won a league, but in February we were, we were losing to Villa, you know, and then we went on an incredible run. That, oh. that, what? <laughs> Hole, we got we got smashed by Hole, didn't we? And then we went on a great yeah. run. Yeah, well, well, mm. had we not just lost to Villa as well? Yeah, we could have done. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we did. And and fucking Fabian Delph ran the show, or someone like that fucking mm. ran the show. And and I can't remember now. But but it was it was awful. It was not awful, but it was really patchy up to that point. And then it was just a fantastic run. So I never trusted Rogers as as someone who could bring us the league. I never trusted him as so. And you see that in Gerard's book when he's talking about. Rogers having to go ask him to ring players for him, you know what I mean? It's like ask me, ask your mate, will she meet me? You know, yeah. what I mean? it's, it's, it's fucking it's pathetic. Like Roger, Rogers, very very young and very That's young really- in his career, coming to, to take a job like Liverpool, like you know, he hadn't really established himself at all, Swansea. Yeah, no. And now we hundred percent agree, and that's what I'm saying. Like for him to then try and take on the ego that is Mario Balotelli, it was it was just never ever gonna work. Yeah, but I think that I think the problem there was Balotelli and not and not Rogers. Listen, I was in I was in Anfield and we beat Spurs three two, and Balotelli got the winner, and Markovic I think scored the fourth goal as well. So that's that's like unicorn stuff, isn't it for 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 them two signings? They don't they don't fuck all. Can we think of anything? Yeah. Like uh, the Nigel Clough one jumps out in my mind in terms of players we thought that I thought was going to fit like a glove. Um, 
that was, uh, and it didn't happen for him. Um, Paul Stewart, yeah, look, Paul Stewart was a huge sign, sign up back in the day, again from Spurs. Ricky um, Lambert, yeah, that was a big one. Mm, no, okay. <laughs> no, but um, if we on the gummies. <laughs> that CBD is coming up. Um, Press tree for a tree. <laughs> CBD oh. gummy. Um, Mark no. Gonzalez, Mark Walters, Aquilani, uh, Aquilani. Yet he, he was not a fucking cash on that pony. Mm. 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 I, I think um, I think Downing as well. Like mm. the, probably the, one of the worst players to have ever graced Liverpool pitch ever. Really, yeah, you really hated him. I despise him. He's a fucking prick. We were getting there um, uh, when <laughs> just hate. Downing, like, was, Downing was coming to us, and uh, Young was going to yeah, United, you know, and they were yeah, they were laughing, the, thinking we were getting the better deal. What uh, a shout! What a shout by Dave Lennon! Really that is an, oh, yeah, Sahin! What a forgotten player! Fucking mm. hell! How good was he coming in? Maybe Rogers, maybe Rogers is, is responsible for that one. Yeah, Bundesliga player of the year, wasn't he? Yeah, gone to Real Madrid, came to, came to us on loan. He was the he was he was the reincarnation of Xabi Alonso, and then Rogers played him as a number ten. Now that isn't Rogers' fault because if everyone remembers accurately on this one, they deployed Steven Gerrard to sit just in front of the back four to spray the ball all over the pitch, and it was working out for him. Right, and then they wanted they were trying to fit Sahin then to become a box to box midfielder, like. There's, there's, it's, it's all about again the situation that you find yourself in. You look at the players that we signed last year. If Joseph comes in and doesn't score goals, it's a different story altogether. You know what I mean? If 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 Keita comes in and doesn't get injured every time he puts a jersey on and doesn't phone in a few matches, it's it's a different situation. It's like well, you, you, um, Gerard wasn't in that deep role for Liverpool when we signed Sahin. He was, Steve. Wasn't we didn't deploy him into that role until the year that we went to the league. That's yeah, why Jacob's had in and really deep midfield mm. role. That, that, was, that, that was the year we saw in San. What? No, no. it's not. No. No. Sahim was Rogers' first season, I think. Yeah. Was the year before, 2012. Yeah. Tell, tell us, the reason why Sahin has to play the number 10 is because Gerard has dropped into a deep line playmaker role at that stage. He hadn't. That's he just incorrect. Go back that's, and watch it. That's back 20, and watch I don't it. need to watch it. I have what's Go called watch it. memory. Go back. Go back and watch it. Go wrong. Rule number three. I'm you're right, wrong. you're wrong. Right. <laughs> I'm right. I'm, I'm going to do a power. I've picked my side. Oh, uh, <laughs> boy. And my side is winning. And I always will win. Bernard Diamed, no, lads, that's not it. That didn't even happen. That's just imagination. Yeah. That didn't happen. Glenn Johnson is, oh, you have to agree with the Glenn Johnson yeah. thing as well. John, John Glenson. John Glenson, Stuart Downing, and Martin Skirtle. Three of the worst signings to ever appear in the Liverpool jersey in the history of ever. Skirtle's uh, harsh because he didn't cost a huge amount of money and he didn't come in with a massive reputation. He was a he was an average defender who... But he cost, he cost hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of millions of, of euros to the club because of yeah, what he I did. Agree. Right? I agree. So, um, actually, yeah, Mark Gibbons makes a great point. We've all forgotten Gio. Yeah, he was a horrible, he, like the most mm. horrible signing we've ever made was that dirty brick. And Jay Wheeler makes a good point. Yari Lippman, as a signing that we all thought was, but that was more on Jared Hulier. He just didn't like people to be really good. Um, so and yeah. they all they all had to be robots, right? So last topic was 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 threw it over to the viewers, and uh, I got a couple of of. Um, Recommendations and I can't remember any of them at this stage. I never wrote them down. <laughs> on pen and paper. Anyway. I saw, I saw um, somebody talk about Wimbledon, but I really don't want to talk about Wimbledon. Yeah, so, so some somebody mentioned. I think it was R. Allison there. Um, 
And I think is that was that is that Mr. Kumar instead who's, who's just put Allison at the end of his name to really confuse me now. Um, yeah, I, 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 not a hope. Are we fucking talking about Wimbledon? Not a hope. We'll talk about that somewhere else, but not in this podcast. Um, are we um, talking unless, about what? And uh, that not that's one match. Why would you? Look, in, in reality, why would you? Here's the men's. Here's the, here's the men's game. It's Federer versus Nadal versus Djokovic. Like that's it. After that, then just park it, right? So, and who's in the quarterfinals? Federer and Djokovic. Like I don't know who if if Nadal if he's still alive, he's in the other quarterfinal, right? So that's you know what the best. Part, you know what the best thing about Wimbledon ever was for two years or two weeks a year. You got a tennis racket out from underneath the stairs, and you went out and played on the road where the tarmac from all the bits of the fucking yeah. The Corpo doing a bogey job. Somehow you found four squares on the road with tarmac and you yep. made the court and you never played tennis again for the other 50 weeks of the year yeah. until next year when Wimbledon same, starts. Same with, the, same with the snooker. Come on, to be down the, down the snooker club where the World Championships is on. Up in Castle Billards. Can't, can't get into the place in the World Championships is on. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's spiking. People don't really do that anymore, do they? I don't think so. Yeah, like what? after after games in the Euros or World Cup, like if you out the door, like a light to kick yeah. balls against mm. the yeah. the gates and neighbors. Uh, yeah, it just yeah. doesn't. See, kids don't play outside anymore. They're all too busy under their voices to getting their humpy backs. What's going to happen is, by the time they grow into adults, they'll have these humps just from being just like They just don't. They're all too. They've grown up too. There's no. There's no. That's a good show by Brian Murphy. Just, just a plague. Plague. Children are just a plague now at this stage on the, on the earth, and it's just. And sadly, phones, devices, social media—it's just it's all gone the wrong way. Yep. Really. Are it's we going to talk about our favourite wrestlers? Bushwhackers. <laughs> <laughs> Licking each other's heads. <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> Shane down England to win the Euros and then you have I the Olympics so. the Olympics after the Euros is always is like I, I used to love those summers when I cared about international football and you'd have the Euros and then you'd have the Olympics after the Euros and it just felt like those summers were the best because there was always sport on the television and the mad sports you get into I think the Olympics is always a great ta- ta- thing to talk about because like it's just the amount of mad sports that are in they have skateboarding it this year Skateboarding, like how do they haven't put wrestling into it at this stage? They have Roblox would be in the next one for fuck's sake. Roblox, it'd be great. <laughs> but could you imagine if it was a proper human Roblox where you had like a, a stack of blocks over here, right, and you had to go over and build something with it, and it was timed instead of like just like on the screen? Well, I don't get people who watch people play computer games. I don't understand this. This is great. Becoming an old person is brilliant, right? I can actually turn around and say it now and not be aware that was like I don't get kids watching other kids play computer games when i was younger when i was a kid and i went to an arcade alley because you didn't have fucking computer games back in my day you had to go to an arcade alley and there'd be somebody playing the game you just want them to die so it'd be your turn to play to throw your tempers into the machine to have a go on the arcade machine right now you have people going onto youtube to watch people play games i don't understand this so somebody explain this to me i don't understand it sometimes. these lads are, are, are billionaires aren't they? they're millionaires these these fellas that are watching yeah, yeah uh, but you're, ta- you're talking about children like seven-year-olds feel like they eat snots and stuff like they're, they're hang on, hang on, hang on. you don't you don't still eat snots <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with you yeah Do you don't, know they don't they don't eat their g- vegetables but they eat their snots it's, they look they're not to be cited 
They're not to be trusted. No, just don't if, 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 Andy, if that was the case, I'd agree with you, but it's not because esports is close to becoming an Olympic so an Olympic sport, right? Now esports is lads playing a PlayStation or an Xbox. I'm not even making that up. They play like Medal of Honor or FIFA or Formula One racing or whatever it is, and they're about to put that into the Olympics. Now you're pushing it a bit far when you're sticking fucking computer games into the Olympics. Computer games are a nice thing to unwind and have a bit of crack with. Like, and we know where lads are in the gulag and they're doing all the stuff with the Medal of Honours and, and everything. That's great, right? Top red, Steve. What a shout. Give him a fucking blue. That's it. Yeah. Sure, it's like four elephants having a chat on YouTube. It's true. It's true. You're literally Can't... there giving out about people watching <laughs> yeah. other people. Dude, and this is way worse. Like, this is... At least they're good at fucking gaming. We're just yeah. full twats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's great. It's great that Phil didn't write a topic down for the for the last one. And we're all just fucking tread, just treading water here. Just, yeah. just, just keeping it going. It's like I always hope yeah. we have a few of the old uh, things. Best computer game ever. I don't mind talking about that because that's that's actually that's a great one. Best computer FIFA. game ever. FIFA. Just, FIFA for you. Yeah, like it's it stood the test of time. I remember the very first FIFA when it was just international teams, and you had two fellas up front for Germany called Brian Pluck and Kevin Plank. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come a fucking long, and that's a, that's an actual fact. That was the two. That was the name of the top two strikers for Germany in the very first FIFA, and and playing it on the Mega Drive. And I remember I remember having a, a football game on the Nintendo and there were all these block characters and you could play like on a concrete pitch or you could play on a grass pitch. It didn't matter. They all just wobbled in the same fucking way. And then you could press the two buttons on your Nintendo together and you got three special kicks per game and you'd like almost nearly definitely... Are you, are you sure that's FIFA? No, 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 this no, no, no. This wasn't FIFA. This was on the Nintendo. and then Super the Mega Soccer. Game, no, it was a concert on the Nintendo on the NES. Wasn't on the Super SNES, Soccer. On the NES. Yeah, it could have been Super Soccer. I'll check it out yeah. now in a minute. But it was the from behind view. You no, 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 it was no, it was a side view. It wasn't like a sensible soccer. It was a side view, and then they they were these like real. Blo- I'll find it now in a second. When when one of you virtual soccer. No, that's no, no I, I, I think I know the one you were talking about, Andy. All right, the SNES with the behind view. This, this yeah. wasn't this wasn't the, was SNES, the original blocky NES, and then the. Then the Mega Drive came out and FIFA showed up and it was just mind blowing. It was like it was like going from playing FIFA now to having a VR device where you're immersed in the actual game. It was that level of fucking chasm from the Nintendo football game to the fi- to FIFA when it first came out. It was unreal. It was unreal. And football manager for me as well is right up there. The original championship manager mm. took literally days. I'm not even messing when I say days of my life away. Like I remember playing it with my mates during the summer when their parents had be gone away. And we'd stay up all night to the point where the fucking milkman would be coming in the next morning. We'd still be up taking in deliveries in the front window, playing it for fucking 18 hours. Like, Dave Lennon, I just want to correct you here. I'm not taking a back seat. I'm letting the younger lads talk about it. And then I'm going to go through a range of computer games that I've played since I was... because I'm And I'm still playing computer games today. I just don't want to watch fuckers on YouTube playing the games because mm. I'd rather play them myself. Shane, what was your number one computer game? Oh... I don't listen. I, I remember having a paper around and saving up all my money to buy FIFA '94, and just when I got it, it was like winning the lottery. You know what I mean? Saving up for I don't know five, six, seven, eight weeks, 
and, and, and getting fee. I always remember FIFA 94, and it was absolutely unbelievable. This is the one that the referee would have to be chasing around the pitch to send you yeah, off. You, yeah, yeah. you, could, you could run away from him. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was just, that's just it. <laughs> yeah, and, and early, I think it was, yeah, 93, 94 around, around that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a game. <laughs> I think it was the first game mates got together and played games you know what i mean like, yeah and got yeah, properly yeah. competitive over I, we used to go and uh play games and one of the lads named hark harko and uh we played fifa in his front room and if you farted in his gaff you get fucked out <laughs> 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 and every every night we'd, we'd be letting rippers like <laughs> and uh, it wasn't me it wasn't me it wasn't me it's something that always get fucked out for farting in his mask do you remember do you remember the Commodore 64 Phil you'd, you'd have to put the tape yeah. in and let it win and Mike, go out Mike, play football Mike, for an hour and a half and then come back in and see it was Mike, a Mike Pro yeah. Soccer and it was basically a combination of three rectangular blocks that everyone thought was because the head over and it was Micro Pro Soccer and it was three rectangular blocks and everyone, this look how realistic this is it's like watching real football but from above it wasn't it was like watching three rectangular if anybody goes back and watching now it's like three rectangular blocks and I think there's only four rectangular blocks on the screen at any one time but it looked like there was more because he kicked the ball which was a rectangular block to somebody up here and it was amazing but um, Andy Alex, Alex the Kid Alex the Kid yeah on the, the the game console before the major if what one there was like the, Se- the Sega Master System the Sega Master System oh, Alex Master. Alex the kid did it did it did it did it did it did it used to go around no no it was uh, that was my first game I think oh and, come um, does anybody remember Leisure Sweet Larry I was about no. to say my favourite game of all time no. yeah Oh boys, you used to be able to get into hot tubs with strippers and everything. And it, was, it was mental. And there was another, there was another game called Monkey Island. These was, these were more PC games. I'm mean, yeah, like, yeah. the secret. They're Commodore, they're Commodore 64 things now. We are. Yeah, yeah, but no, they, no, they, they, they. Oh, but go on, Andy. Sorry, I jumped in there. Yeah, Alex the kid, absolute classic. And then moving on to football games. If any remember Super Soccer on the NES, amazing. Yeah, here's the, you know, you'll be able to see it right. I'm on YouTube now. I'm after bringing up this fucking game. I'll, I'll pull it up in front of the screen now in a second. It was mental. Right? Leisure Suit Larry was mad. Right? What? And Leisure Suit Larry was mad. Oh, it was, it was insane. So I, I, had, I had a Commodore 64, then an Amiga, then I had a PC. Remember, and... Do you remember Flimbo's Quest on the cartridge? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Look at that. Look at this, <laughs> Super Gold. What? <laughs> <laughs> and this was the best thing ever. Like this was fucking magic. Look at these goals. <laughs> get get super soccer up there. Right now. Shut the I fuck up, Damon Alburn. Honorable mentions. Sensible World of Soccer was probably the greatest football game of all time for the best part of 10 years, from 1990 to 2000. Before FIFA and all takes over, anyone that played it on the Amiga will know exactly what I'm talking about. And you had the one stick. And I remember that, Phil. Yeah, immense. That was What's immense. That, I remember that. Super yeah, Soccer. Yeah, yeah, we remember that one. Yeah. That was a great game. Yeah. That was a super game, Super Soccer was. That's it. You could, yeah. yeah, there you go. And you yeah. used to be able to play that in the, uh, in the, the arcades. arcades as well. Huge, 
Shane, and I had three buttons on it for 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 what you were doing. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, that was a great game. That was a brilliant game. Right, so kickoff two on the Amiga was immense, but then Sensible Water Soccer came along and blew it off the table. I will say my favourite game of all time is actually one of the more recent ones. It's it's Mass Effect and it's the three Mass Effect series. I'm, I am a gamer, so they, they, but I just don't like multi... I don't like online gaming. I, I don't want to talk to anyone. When I want to play a game, I want to be lost in the world. And just It's like watching a movie or something. That's what I like. That's what I grew up on. I'm an old fart. I like one-player games, and that's the end <laughs> of it. Right? I don't mind the two players with the football, but I remember playing the original Maddens in 1990. They were they were brilliant. That was when the EA started putting crowd sounds in to try and make yeah. it sound like the games, right? Yeah. And if you listen back to it now, it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, it was like. <laughs> Speedball too immense. Um, but I have to say, lads, when it comes down to it, FIFA is the king of games, and I'm not talking about the newer ones. Up like the, FIFA changed sports games and sports yeah. games on consoles. Um, EA are the company they are now mm. because of FIFA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they did this. They, they, the American Toy- equivalent is 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 the Madden series. Like Madden, Tiger Woods golf. Tiger Woods golf. I don't Woods golf I didn't like golf back then. That was a phenomenal game, mm. and the fucking DMX and everything on the sound. The soundtrack came out, and um, Need for Speed. The original Need for Speed was a phenomenal yeah. game as well as a car game. And uh, Grand Theft Auto changed car. They GTA, changed car yeah. GTA changes changes the idea of what you can do at a role-playing game. It takes it away from having to be in a fantasy world and brings it into the real world. And that's how you get Mafia and you get all those type of games that come yeah. along afterwards. Mafia was a great game. There was, um, I don't know who else had Mega Drives. There used to be an Olympics game. Does anybody remember the original Olympics game? Well, Bashers. Where you'd have to go like that across the table. Yeah, so fucking mental <laughs> to make the fucking sprinters go along. And you'd have this, people would have tricks where they'd like use their jumper and they'd be fucking flying along to make mm. the button. Uh, was, that was a great game. And Assassin's Creed. Is Assassin's Creed was, was... I'm not into first-person shooters, never really have been, but Assassin's Creed just pulled me in when I when I had it and it was just a fucking great game. Yeah. The, one, the one not Medal of Honor, the... Um, I like Medal of Honor now. Rising Medal Sun, yeah. Medal of Honor, Rising Sun was brilliant. Um, the, the, and they're all sort of people, but like I, I do like that sort of space cowboy type genre. So that's why I like Mass Effect. I played the that game, the one where you were just drifting around the planets for ages. Um, what was it called again? Voyage or something like that. It's mad. Um, but yeah, that was, Mass Effect is probably one. I love the Uncharted series with Nathan Drake. They thought they were brilliant. They, they, when they made, I'd, I'd be interested to see if the movie's any use. Um, Tomb Raider, of course, is just legendary in terms of playing yeah. action adventure That's games. First person shooter type game, isn't it? It's that one, yeah. one man action. It's game. over the shoulder. It's over the shoulder. Yeah. The same way yeah. the, the GTA stuff was over the shoulder, where it went from yeah. being just above the traffic to over the shoulder. When that changed, when GTA changed from like micro machines yeah. to, mm. to, to down into a 3D uh, environment, that was a game changer as well. Uh, do you know what was brilliant as well, actually? Goldeneye. Remember when that film came out? Oh, that was yeah. on the SNES. Yeah, that on was, Mega Drive, wasn't it? Or, no, no, it was, it was, SNES. It was a SNES, wasn't it? Super yeah, wasn't Nintendo. It? That was yeah. that, that was a brilliant game. Brilliant game. If you, if you had the gun attachment, it just made that game so much more enjoyable um, because it felt like you were shooting, like it was really more awkward. But yeah, yeah, the, uh, speaking about attachments, the fucking... There's two things. The old NES, Duck Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> some crack. And there used to be an Olympics game for the NES back in the late 80s. And there was a running match you could get. And it was ever before there was a Wii or anything like that. The old NES used to have a running map that you plugged into it. And you could run to make your characters. <laughs> fucking, it was fucking brilliant. Honestly. Back when I used to run. 
It was great. <laughs> Here, I'll, have I'll have to find that. Red Dead Redemption. That's a great show as well. That just changes. That, again, oh, that's. I've that not seen that, but the fucking the, the, the like the footage of that looks insane in terms of the actual story and the storyline. It's it's yeah. like the, the one thing that Rockstar do great is storyline and Bully Bully as 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 a, as a sort of out there where you're actually a skill kid going around. Like you can't make games like these these days, but you're, <laughs> the aim of the game is to go around and bully the whole school. It? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> so much bad press. That was in the nineties when things were fun. And they used to have magazines like Loaded and Nuts. Um, and you're not allowed to have it now um, because that was fun. Uh, Tony Hawk, the, yeah, so I think there's lots of great games out there. I'd say, as I said, my personal favourite is Mass Effect. And I think somebody asked that there, um, has it been, is there a, a remaster made? It was actually brought out there last month. and it's That's a great show out there to get away. It was kind of yeah. G- GTA in London. Oh, yeah. that, was a, that was a great game. That was a great yeah. game. And, and Need for Speed Underground was another was another good one. And Brian Morphy, Red Tube and VR is a great game, lads. I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a first-person shooter, I heard, yeah? Top red bastards <laughs> on there. <laughs> uh, right, I'm, listen. I'm starting to fucking doubt my own sanity here now because I can't even find on Google the Nintendo running map. But anyway. I think well, you made it up. I think you didn't make it up. I think that's because you're on five CBD gummies there. Right, lads. Did anyone play the Michael Jackson game on Sega? The truth is that was Moon. So Michael Jackson's Moonwalk. And yes, I played Michael Jackson's Moonwalk on the Sega, but I didn't know if we're allowed to talk about Michael Jackson anymore, given the range of allegations that exist around his name. Um, some of our lads love Michael Jackson and some of us don't have children. Anyway, the, um, the, what's it? Look at these little cunts. <laughs> <laughs> 1988, right? Watch these perverts. <laughs> Look, they're all perverts. We know that. That's a fucking game. There's the power pad. You have to fucking run along on it like a mentalist. Look at this shit. It's just doing this. We're probably up for copyright now with all the shit I'm just posting on here. Uh, uh, Gav, Gav would be having a heart attack. Right, listen, yeah. that's... Anyway. We're going to, uh, b- before you get done for, for, for uh, well, that's not, it's a YouTube channel, so it's just YouTube and a YouTube, I don't think you're going to get done for point. anything like that. YouTube uh, watching YouTube. Yeah, that's 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 actually what we'll do next. We'll do a YouTube watching a YouTube. That's the that's the next generation of, of, of media and interaction. Right, um, that's been the forum. That's been Shane Davin. That's been Andy Young over there. And down there is Stephen Day. That has been myself, your host, Phil Casey. Um, I hope you've enjoyed that effort of getting through over Monday evening when there isn't much football to talk about. Um, and we will be back next week. I think there's the bit around the Siena is is going down the bottom. Um, as we said, stick on there. There's all the merchandise. Please do what you can. And that's been that. Um, lots of stuff coming along during the week. There's be a show tomorrow. And there'll be a show on Wednesday, and there'll be a show on Thursday, and there'll be a show on Friday, and then the fat back forum back on Sunday. So that's been distant forum. That's been the day trippers. That's me being your host. Good night. God bless. It's not. And remember, on. folks, buy gummies. Sports Social Podcast Network.